I think the best CEOs that we've worked with understood that PR doesn't work in a vacuum of the business, but it is brand function and needs room to excel on its own. So PR doesn't work if it's forced to be a robotic marketing function that just repeats key messages and talks about what salespeople are talking about. It only works if there's a vision and a boldness and an ability to get outside of the box of what is just straight up product marketing. Welcome back to SaaS Half Full, the only show serving B2B SaaS marketers. I'm Lindsay Groper, president at Blast Media, and as always, I will be both your host and bartender today. We are sitting down today with one of my colleagues, long-term colleague, Kimberly Jefferson, who is the EVP at Blast Media. She has been with our agency for over a decade. God love her. She has held many roles at the agency But her and I are talking today about what makes a successful PR agency relationship. This is something that I've talked about in the past, and it's always a robust discussion between SaaS CMOs on what they need to invest and the people they need to tap internally to get the most out of their PR agency investment. So we figured it was something that would be beneficial to tackle on the show. So grab a drink and join me as I chat with Kimberly Jefferson, the Executive Vice President at Blast Media. Kim, welcome to SAS Half Full. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. Long time listener, first time guest. Absolutely. The only other Blast Media team member that has graced me with her presence is Mindy. And it ended up being our most downloaded episode of last year. So people do care what we have to say sometimes about what it is that we do in this world of PR. So we cover many topics on SAS Half Full, as you well know. So those of you listening, hopefully you have tuned into more than one episode, but very rarely do we dive into our specific world of SAS marketing, which is on the PR front. I had an opportunity last year to talk on a Slack community about, basically it was Q&A around PR. And one of the more robust discussions was around a handful of SaaS CMOs on what makes a good agency relationship. So whether this is your first PR relationship that you're considering, or you have worked with many agencies before, and I would even say maybe marketing agencies in general, this is going to apply as well, but you invest in this relationship and how do you get the best out of that investment? And Kim who has been with us for a decade, has seen her fair share of the good and the bad and the sometimes ugly of client relationships. So figured she would be the best person to come on and talk to us about what are some of the keys for success when it comes to managing an agency to ensure that you're getting the most out of that relationship. But Kim, if you could quickly though, give our listeners a rundown of what your role is at our agency. Sure. So like you said, this is my year 11 at the agency. So I grew up in media relations here, have had about every job in media relations that we have in our structure. And my job now is more around that structure. So being a rapidly growing agency, we are frequently tweaking what we do from team perspective 
how we approach account work, the tools that we use for that, the templates, the approaches. And my job is at the top of that account operation. So making sure we are up to date on how we approach media relations for our clients and making sure our teams are equipped to do that. And there could be a whole other episode on when you should invest in PR and why you should invest in PR. But for the sake of this conversation, we are going to jump forward and assume that you understand why you're investing in PR and an agency specifically. One of the questions that came up in that session that I mentioned was, who should be managing the agency? And this will certainly vary on size of organization, but I wanted to start with that, is who should be responsible for managing the agency relationship? Our best relationships are with like-minded PR person inside the organization. So when we're working with a SaaS company that is more Series D+, plus that has PR person internally that can manage our relationship, you can work as a team in that way. Now, that isn't always possible and isn't necessary. We can also work with someone else on the marketing team. They do need to have a grasp on what media relations can do for their business and what we need to do our jobs best. Because another thing we need from our contact, besides understanding PR, which we can also help them do, is knowing what's going on inside the business because PR can't work in a silo. So we have to understand what's working and not working in sales, what the company's strategy is for funding runway, what the company's strategy is on acquisition, any kind of exit track that the company is on. We have to be in the know. So having someone that is managing our relationship that knows what's going on, but also gets PR is our best bet. Yeah. And when I think about our longer term relationship with the growing or scaling companies is where it's helpful to have that day to day that if you large enough where we have someone in brand, so it could be a communications director or a PR manager that speaks our language and keep that day to day moving. But then what I'm hearing you say is how we need to have, whether that's a CMO or an SVP of marketing, that's more plugged in on the business level. Because where I've also seen it not work is when we are basically handed off to only a junior person. Like it could be a con, I think in one specific example, it was like a content manager, which awesome person. They get what we do from a thought leadership perspective. But when we were asking questions about the business or we see a competitor make a move and say, oh, this sounds like where our product was headed and we can't get those bigger, broader discussions going is limiting for us. We're also seeing a trend where PR people, maybe they they have a comms title, they're reporting into maybe directly to the CEO, dependent on sites of business or someone in ops. And that can be great for us because that's the mix of the person that understands PR and what we need, but it's very plugged in to what's going on from a business perspective. The other thing I want to talk about is who else should be involved in the PR process when it comes to developing the strategy and then executing on that. Most of our clients have a thought leadership track that we are on with them to promote them as experts in their space. Who else do we need to have in our corner for a successful PR strategy when, when you look outside of our day-to-day contacts? I would say the most important people are anyone that's going to be a spokesperson, be media facing. And we encourage that to be more than your executives. So obviously... When you have an announcement that involves the business, say, making an acquisition or a funding round, the C is likely going to represent the company, and that's very important. 
We also encourage our clients to find subject matter experts inside the business, maybe line of business leaders, maybe if you have a DevOps product, maybe you find someone in engineering to be that spokesperson. Those people are very important for us because we spend time with them on story mining. So we have conversations where we use their brains to understand how they see the market and pull from them what we can use for thought leadership. So it helps us have an inside track on a mind that's thinking about this market every day. Then we also need them to spend time with media and on assets for media. So whenever somebody's a spokesperson, we need them to take the time to take interviews with media, approve quotes that we've written on their behalf, approve long form content. A lot of times we'll have someone that's at an executive level and they just don't have the time to be approving the things that we need and spending time on interviews the way that we need them to. So having those line of business leaders or inside subject matter experts that can be lifted up with media and have a little bit more time and brain space to spend on media is a huge asset to us. When it comes to approval, we have seen situations where we get a bit bottlenecked, where maybe the CEO is very passionate and wants to be that spokesperson and we get all these opportunities and then it goes into the unknown and never to be heard from again. Can you just talk to our listeners about why that hurts us for as an agency? When we have a, we will always have a CEO as a spokesperson at some level. Like I said, we will a lot of times encourage them to step to the side when it's something that's more industry focused. But when we are using a CEO, we get these at-bats with media and they just can't make it happen. It makes us look bad to media and makes them look bad to media. And that's the opposite of our goal. So we want to make sure at the beginning of a relationship, we talk about how much the CEO will be involved, what it looks like when she has to approve something, what it looks like when she has to take an interview, who we schedule that through, what availability there is for that. Those things up front and buying into those are very important. And then seeing them through are also important because there's nothing worse than teeing up an interview with someone top tier and we can't make it happen because of the availability of the spokesperson. It just, it really stings and honestly can demotivate our team to go get that again. And that's also the opposite of what we want. And a double sting is when we then hear, you know, two weeks or three weeks later, like, where's all the top tier opportunities? It's like, ah, <laughs> like they're, you know, we're working really hard to get them and doing what we can on our end and it's not coming through. So I know that, that can be very frustrating. So I want to keep going on that lines and talking about opportunities because I do equate what we do oftentimes with sales where our prospect is the editor, contributor, staff writer, and they enter our CRM. They enter into our funnel where we have the interest and then we move them through. Can you walk through in more detail what happens then when opportunities are continuing to be turned down and stuff isn't getting approved? Like how that affects our close rate, if you will, with press opportunities. It is our goal to build up with media which we have over 17 years, but it is our goal to build up a rapport where they know if they're getting something from Blast Media, it's going to be good. It's going to be timely. It's going to be an interesting story. It's going to be something that serves their readers. And every time we can't make good on the promise that we've given them, there's a chink out of that armor. And 
that's not what we're looking to do. So whenever we're working with a reporter and we've opened a line of communication and say we're talking about work from home and we have this client that has asynchronous communication tools, they allow people to be able to work from home. And we've connected with this fast company reporter from the future of work section. And she said, yes, next time I have a story like this, I'll follow up with you. Lo and behold, a month later, she says, hey, I need to talk to someone from your client. I have a story going they'd be a fit for. We go back to said client and they say, nope, nobody has any time, can't participate. The fall out that that has for our team is so disheartening when that is our whole goal to build this rapport, to be able to close, like you're saying. And it definitely stands in our way of closing where, of course, we go back and say, sorry, can't help you this time. Call us next time. She's a lot less likely to call us next time. And in in thinking about that sales track too, what I equate that to is sales manager saying to the salespeople, okay, here's your goal, right? Here's your quote. But you cannot follow up with any conversations. You can't send your prospects what they've asked for, but you still got to meet that quota. It doesn't work that way. You have to give them the tools and what they need in order to meet that number. And I've said over the years, this level of trust and just trust our process in order to get the results and to get the goals that we've decided on. And that's one of the more human or softer qualities that we often talk about with our clients and onboarding is this idea of trust. So talk to us and unpack that on why that matters with our clients. We usually say we have around four ingredients for a recipe for agency client success and trust is one of those. So what we promise is that we're going to follow through. We're going to hit deadlines. We're going to give you the deliverables that we've talked about. We're going to tee up media opportunities so that you can help us knock them out of the park. And what we want from our clients is to trust us that if we present an opportunity, it's for a reason. And it's because we see it as a fit, as moving their campaign forward, as the right audience, and that it's worth pursuing. So that's the bare minimum of the trust. But as we keep working together, we also ask for the trust that feedback is important. So if you're hearing internally that our results aren't hitting the mark for people that aren't even in marketing, we want to trust that you'll say that to us. Trust that If we're not hitting the mark on content, you're going to say that and you're going to give us the feedback that allows us to get better. So the trust has to be two way. So we have to deliver in order to earn the trust from our clients. But if you have hired a PR agency that you don't trust to do PR, you will never be successful. So building that trust together is the only way you're going to get the results that you wanted. I completely agree with that. And trusting our process. And we've been doing this a long time. We're in our 17th year of executing media relations and developing pair strategies for B2B technology and SaaS companies. We know what works. We know how to get there. And so when we enter a partnership, we want that trust that our process works. And it might be different than, than your process, CMO or SVP of marketing or PR director internally. Maybe it's different than what you experience, but trust that our way works if you just give us the keys, especially during the first 90 days of our relationship, right? People get antsy. I want you to talk through expectations also on being aligned with those expectations up front 
and trusting if we are aligned with that, that we will deliver on it. But oftentimes it's that like first night it's like, oh, you know, we haven't seen exactly what we want to see. We have all these requests, but is it going to work? What should CMOs expect in the first 90 days of a new PR agency relationship? So our first 30 days are very dedicated to onboarding. It's a non-negotiable for us. When we start with a client, those first 30 days are for us to build that foundation of trust, for us to build that foundation of understanding who the spokesperson are inside the business, the trends in the industry, getting our feet under us to be able to execute from there forward. So that first 30 days, if you have an agency that's not spending that on getting to know you in the market, I would be nervous. So I would expect that time minimum to be a ramp of understanding. And then the 6090, you should expect to have media opportunities to hear about conversations that are going on with media to be surfaced opportunities that your agency is seeing in the market or hearing from their contacts. You shouldn't expect to have a Wall Street Journal feature that they're just like sales. So your sales analogy, a pipeline must be built. We must build a foundation of interest from media and contributed content and podcasts, guest appearances. There has to be a foundation of that spokesperson and that business and the media. And even if you had one before, even if you had an agency before and you had a little bit of a runway, you still need to trust the process of the agency that you hired and be bought into. We have OKRs that we're going to meet at the end of those 90 days and buy into those together. But you got to trust us along the way that we're going to communicate on how to get there. We have agency averages where we, because we work with all software companies, the results that we get from our clients can be extrapolated across the board, at least macro level. So we can say, you can expect in general to get 25 pieces of coverage per quarter from your agency. But in those first 90 days, that might not necessarily be the case. What you should expect is to see traction and have conversations and see the result of the media activity, not necessarily the perfect quarter. That is a value that we're able to bring our clients just by nature of, of our focus is these realistic expectations based on data. We talked about trust. We talked about spokespeople. What else do our clients need to be giving us access to for a good relationship? I would say what we need access to is anything that will be public before it's public. So say you have a big market report that you're working on, something internally, maybe you use your platform data to create a state of report, or you are working with an analyst to create a report. We want to be brought along the way with you on that. One, because we're ultimately going to be the ones that bring that to press. But two, because we're teammates and we can help shape what media will care about in an asset like that. Sometimes our clients have so much going on that we don't necessarily get brought into those things until they're fully baked. And that can be frustrating then when we have feedback on what media would like from that. So bringing us along on the process on a big asset, as well as realizing that though our job is to talk publicly about what's going on with the company, we will not do that until agreed upon, until we have a green light to do so. 
I think sometimes because we are a public relations agency, contacts outside of marketing think they don't tell the agency yet. We're not ready to tell the public that we're getting acquired or we're making this acquisition or we're announcing funding. No, we have an NDA just like any other partner. We should be treated as if we are a part of the business and brought along versus just a vendor on the outside that shouldn't know information. So bringing us in allows us to plan and talk about when the right time to announce would be. We really need to give journalists weeks in advance to prepare to write about things. And the only way we can do that is if we know. And just walking backwards to that timeline, we ideally would like 30 days. Let's say you're making a major acquisition. But if you think about that timeline from the day you tell us that this acquisition is happening and it's expected to close in 30 days from that day, we have to have a larger conversation about it. We have to write a release. We need to identify which media we want to make outreach to see who's available for interviews. So if the acquiring company coming to being acquired, and then we need to actually offer up interviews. And what happens is that sometimes we'll get a finalized release or client will say, oh, this is happening. And we go get interviews. So what happens is we contact the press say, yeah, I'm interested. They're like, the only availability we have is tomorrow because the announcement's happening the day after tomorrow. And we lose an opportunity because they are not willing to make that sacrifice of their time and then try and turn around a quick story. So we lose out on the momentum of those types of announcements when we don't have that extended, ideally 30-day window. And again, it's like when that happens though, it's like, how do we adjust the expectations of that announcement with our clients? Because we've been really hamstrung or cut at the knees on what we can accomplish in a very short amount of time when we are at the mercy of the media's deadlines, first and foremost. Something else that I've heard you talk about that makes it a relationship is the willingness to be bold. Boldness is defined differently depending on who you ask. So what do you mean when you say that? In the context of agency relationships, for us, bold is a little bit of what I talked about with trust. Bold is boldly giving us feedback and allowing us to give bold feedback. So having real conversations where we can say, this is what we're not getting that would make us more successful. And the client can say, this is what we are not getting from our agency that could make this thing more successful. It starts with being bold enough to tell each other where we stand, but then it also translates to media. So a lot of times our best results come from something happens, whether it's in the SaaS space, a particular vertical space, the world at large, and we react to that. So we can go out to media that are writing and offer a source from one of our client companies. The only way that works is if the commentary we're offering them adds some kind of value, is bold enough that it's not something they're hearing from other spokespeople that are reaching out to them, something they already thought of themselves, or very obvious what's next for whatever the announcement is. We push our clients to say something bold. We'll partner with them on what that is. We want to have an honest conversation about what does this mean for the market, or how does this competitor acquiring this competitor change the market? How does it really change the market? And then how do we frame that to media as valuable and moving the conversation forward? So we might suggest saying things that the CEO is not comfortable saying, and we need to work together on what she is comfortable saying and what would be valuable to the media. But what we ask 
is be willing to be bold and make that statement. If something is true and of value to the media and doesn't put your company in a poor light, let's say it. Be bold enough to say the thing that other people aren't saying. Yeah, I love that. And it's so true. You think about what makes you pause and read or click a headline versus others. And they're the bold statements. And there's a difference between a bold statement and clickbait. We want to make sure that it's true to the brand, as you mentioned, and authentic. But that's what makes you stop. And that's what makes you read and think differently. And the more that we can get our clients spot in on that, the better. I want to talk through a couple maybe real world scenarios. If you can think of some, Kim, where if you can think about a client relationship that stands out to you that was really good and why, and then on the flip side, a specific scenario where it ended up not being a great client relationship that came to an end and why. I can think of lots of examples of both. Ones that are most successful are when we've had an advocate internally that really believes in what we're doing and finds us the access that we need. So goes to customer success and tells them how much we need a customer to be a media spokesperson. So how do we make the customers comfortable? And we work together on a couple of touch points that we do first, some things they can approve, and then working them into the media strategy after that. Those relationships stand out to me as someone that partnered with us to dig around inside the business and find the things we need, and also is willing to push spokespeople internally on, hey, Blast put this thing in front of you three days ago for approval, and we've yet to hear anything. You have to approve it, or we're going forward with another spokesperson. You know, being that bold communicator internally, because it's harder for us to push their executives, for example, on those relationships, I think have been the best because we know we have a, an advocate internally, but we also get better media results because we have more to work with and we know what's going on inside the business and we get the tools and the information that we need, we get better media results. And so it, it results in longevity. I can also think of times when we had access, but it wasn't to the right stuff. So there's been a lot of times when we had a CEO that wanted to be super hands-on and wanted to be on the weekly calls and involved in every decision but is also a CEO of the business. And so when you have a CEO that is that deep in marketing, it's not going to be just us that's not successful. I can imagine the marketers on this call know they want to work for a CEO that trusts them and that helps on buying them into the vision on where the company is going, but stays out of the way for the actual marketing that needs to happen. And I think that can be our biggest blocker to success is when someone in the C-suite maybe feels very passionate and that's a good thing, but can be a blocker to actually getting things done is where there's an issue. And I think I know this particular relationship and where that showed up, where it became a problem too, for example, was we had different spokespeople. And we would have a piece of contributed content that was a result of story mining with this particular spokesperson. The spokesperson approved the content and was ready to go. But then the CEO wanted to come in and re-approve what the spokesperson had already approved and then makes a bunch of changes. And then we got way too many cooks in the kitchen. Ultimately, the piece is super delayed or doesn't get approved at all. And that then creates missed opportunities and goals that aren't being 
met. Those are two very good examples. So we have a couple more minutes left here. What do you wish that more CEOs understood about PR? I think the best CEOs that we've worked with understood that PR doesn't work in a vacuum of the business, but it is brand function and needs room to excel on its own. So PR doesn't work if it's forced to be a robotic marketing function that just repeats key messages and talks about what salespeople are talking about. It only works if there's a vision and a boldness and an ability to get outside of the box of what is just straight up product marketing. And I think CEOs that understand that PR affects every part of their business, that it affects employee retention and investor relations and everything that happens, PR can touch. Any CEO that treats it that way really has success with us. If you push us into a box of just push up this product announcement and say these things in media over and over and over, that is never going to work. But bringing us in and knowing that PR can push every piece of your business forward is when we're really going to click with the CEO. Awesome piece of knowledge there. You and I did not share a drink today. I was supposed to be in the office and I woke up feeling not so hot. I think this actually might be my first episode of Sass Hopful ever in two plus years that I'm not having a cocktail, but I'm going to end it the same way I always do, which is do you have a favorite or signature toast that you would like to send us out? I like to keep it simple on toast because people don't like to just listen to pontification. They're trying to get to their drink. So my typical toast is cheers, dears. I love it. I will certainly drink to that. Thanks so much to Kim for joining me on SAS Half Full. I always love talking to one of our Blast Media team members, especially one as bright and vibrant as Kim. It is my first episode that I have not been enjoying a cocktail. It pains me, but I am not feeling all that hot today. But that is not going to prevent me from sending you a cocktail kit of your choice to your door. If you would like to have a cocktail kit, you can go to our partners over at shakerandspoon.com forward slash half full and you can get 10 bucks off of a cocktail kit order. Always appreciate the listen and until next time, bottoms up.